my goodness, my heart is so full right now. So many good things uh, kind of swirling around, so many hopes for the future. How good it was to see the Scots back in choir this morning. Amen. God is good. And I, I just also have tremendous hope for this, uh, this mini-series. We started a, uh, a two-part sermon series last week, concluded today, out of the book of Romans. And it really has much to do with transformation, about the change that God wants to uh, affect within us. I want, to, uh, I want to remind you of something I guess I was reminded of just last night. Um, this whole idea of transformation, I, I think we can confuse it as Christians that we can come to think about it as if I clean myself up enough, then God will love me. Then I will be worthy of his love. And I just got to tell you that there's nothing that you can do to earn God's love. You know why? Because he already loves you perfectly. Amen? That there's nothing you can do to earn his love because he already loves you perfectly. Now, in the world between people, so often we find kind of this idea of love where it's if you clean yourself up and you do enough for me, then I'm going to like you and maybe even love you. But that's not the way it is with God because he loves perfectly. He loves in ways that we can hardly imagine. And so this isn't about cleaning yourself up so that God might love you. You can't do it. What's the point then? What's the point of transformation? The point is that we would be so transformed that we would live fully in the glory of God that we would live in his peace and his freedom and in his joy. You see, we know that he has a good plan for us. And if there's anything that I could convince believers, not not non-believers, you know, we want to share the good news with them, but it is good news, isn't it? It's good news that he has offered you peace and freedom and joy. And in his word, he says that you're more than a conqueror. You're more than an overcomer. And I want you to believe that today. Even if there's great struggles, even if there's strongholds in your life right now, number one, God loves you perfectly right where you are. And number two, he has a good plan, and he's going to facilitate great change and beauty in your life. With that in mind, let's read together the book of Romans, the same passage we read, but one that's worthy to look at again, Romans 7, 15. Oh, we've all been here. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that, that is in my flesh. For the, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, 
the law of sin. Would you pray with me? We come once again, Holy Father, needing you, hoping in you. We confess together today, I know that if we are like most groups of people, there is great pain. There are secrets that are too hard to share. There are hurts that we have struggled with for years, perhaps decades, for perhaps the majority of our lives. And we hate them. We look into the mirror sometimes and wonder, how could it be? We struggle with overcoming, Father, memories of childhood, memories of divorce, memories of incredible failures. We struggle with unforgiveness. And many of us have struggled so long that we wonder if it's possible that we can truly ever be set free. So I pray for my brothers and sisters today that your Holy Spirit would rest upon them and affirm in their hearts and in their minds that Jesus Christ has come to set us free and that we are more than conquerors. I pray for my brothers and sisters today that you would give them Holy Spirit power and courage to try once again to brush themselves off, to see themselves in a new way so we could live fully in your grace and your peace. Oh Lord, I know that there's nothing I can do that will affect this, but only by the power of your Spirit. So please, Lord, breathe new life into us this day. And we will thank you and praise you all the more. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Let me start by asking you a question. A question that sometimes you hear, in fact, I've heard it often throughout my life. Do you think that people really change? What do you think? Do you think that people really change? It, it certainly seems to be hard. Some people would say no that if you put people under enough pressure, they'll revert back to their old ways. And some people would say, yes, I think people really do change, but experience says that it usually takes a great crisis, it takes the threat of death, it takes uh, the loss of someone, a, a great love. And some might respond, well, yes, people change, and sometimes it's for the better, and sometimes it's for the worse. And perhaps we could debate that, and you could talk about your experience, and I could talk about mine. But what I want to affirm to you today, more than any opinion, is this. What's not debatable is that God has a great desire, a plan, and a will that we are transformed and that we are changed into the image of his Son. I was thinking last night, I'd even forgotten this already. I was thinking last night, do you remember that you're created in the image of your Heavenly Father? Do you, do you remember that? Do you really believe that, that you're created in the image of God? And yes, this is a fallen world. We get that. And yes, we've kind of added on to that fallen, and we've, we've kind of added on and made some scars of our own. But the will of God for you today is that you would be recreated into his image. 
and that you wouldn't be struggling your whole life with unforgiveness or whatever stronghold it is in your life. Listen to Philippians 3 and 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. It says we're going to be transformed, but it's not just the the hope of heaven. It's not just what's going to happen in the distant future. Right now, God has a desire and a plan to transform you so that you might be a little more like Jesus every single day of your life. Somebody say amen. I believe it. I hope it. I desire it. Likewise, Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of glory of the Lord, listen now, are being transformed in the same image. The same image of what? The same image of Jesus Christ. I used to have a really hard time with that. When that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. It was just like it was too much. It was like I was unworthy. And so I kind of came to a piece with it by saying, we are being transformed into the character of Jesus Christ. To the image of Jesus Christ. That's his goal. That's his hope for us. That's his desire. And I can tell you it's more than just a, a passive hope but it is a persistent will of God that he is working within you. And so the question really isn't, do people change? The question is this, will we cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit or will we kick against the goads? You know that passage, Jesus speaking to the apostle Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you kicking against the spikes? Why are you fighting me so hard on this? What will we do? Will we cooperate with the power of the Spirit? We go kicking and screaming. Let me just tell you what, not in my notes or anything, God wins. God wins. So you can fight, and you can make it more difficult, and you can go kicking and screaming into the hereafter, or you can just say, Less, Lord, I open myself up to you. Do your work. Take off the ugly parts. I'm going to cooperate. So last week we began with the hope, the encouragement to overcome those things that are holding us back so that we might live the abundant and the glorious life. We began by saying last week, we must, in accordance with the Scripture, renew our mind. That's more than just philosophy. There's a real renewing that needs to go on. We have to replace the poor behavior with something better. We need to understand, number three, the behavior you want to change. I remember there's been times in my life when it appeared that I was just really angry. But what was really going on is I was very afraid. And it was coming out as anger. And I needed to understand that before I could make a change. Number four, write out a new plan. Understand the old one. Understand the cues that seem to set you off, that always seem to just drive you back to that same place of weakness. Understand your response and the rewards that you're getting out of it, and then make a new and holy plan with a new reward. We continue this morning with number five. In the morning, pray over the new plan. In the morning, listen, I want to tell you, you might think that's just something, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're already praying in the morning. I I, I hope you are. But pray over that new plan. Every morning, get up. I used to pray at night. That used to when I do kind of my heavy lifting prayer when I was a young Christian. And you know what I always did is I'd always, I'd fall asleep. 
I'd be laying in bed, you know, and I'd, be, I'd fall asleep, and I'd, I'd feel so guilty. Oh, I fell asleep. You know what? I just decided my heavy lifting prayer has got to be in the morning, and then when I fall asleep at night when I'm praying, I think it's a good thing. I just kind of think of that as falling asleep in Daddy's arms. But if we're going to change the one thing, the simple thing that you can do to overcome the strongholds in your life is to begin by praying in the morning. Now, some of you are saying what? I'm just too busy. Get up earlier. Take something away. Well, I just don't have the time. Listen, how, what's it cost you to continually go back to your heavenly father and ask for forgiveness for the same thing over and over in your life? What's the cost? And aren't you about sick of it? And if you think there's going to be change without making some changes in your life, it's not going to happen. I'm saying in accordance with the scripture, because that's exactly what the scripture says over and over again, get up in the morning and pray about it. For instance, Psalm 5.1 says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray in the morning, O Lord. You will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. I hear in those words, I will order my day. I'm going to think about it over and over throughout the day. What obstacles? What things do I anticipate? Where will I kind of tend to be weak? And how can I overcome? And then you pray about those things. You order your day. You want to make a change in your life. You want to overcome the stronghold. Then one of the great things you can get up is get up 15 minutes early or set something aside or don't turn on. I, how many of you watch Good Old Morning America? Don't raise your hand. All they do is cackle and laugh, right? Don't waste your time. Well, I got to watch Fox News. Well, what we've got to do is spend time with our Heavenly Father because that's where our power and our strength is. Do you believe me? Say amen. Thank you. Dedicate yourself in the morning. My personal experience is this. Listen, I want to tell you how great the power of God is. It's all about Him, not about me. My personal experience is that I get up in the morning and I pray about some things during the day that when I come to that crossroads of temptation... If I prayed in the morning and I can pray at the crossroad, there's never been a time where I failed or when the Holy Spirit has failed me. But if I fail to pray in the morning and order my day, putting him first, everything's more difficult. Just, if that's your experience, would you just say amen? If you discovered that in your life, just, just say amen. amen. Here's the good news. Dedicate yourself for the morning. The more we do it, the more power that we'll receive. Paul says this, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. He also says this, if we're going to change, if we're going to overcome, if we're going to be transformed, we need to practice, we need to develop a new plan and a new habit. We need to dwell on what's good and what's right. He says this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's what I want you to do. I want you to dwell on what's good and right, right? When I was a young man, I just want to, I just want to, I, I had sweet memory with my parents 
We used to watch the, uh, the Winter Olympics. Did you ever watch the Winter Olympics? And when I was a kid, you know, we had those three channels, and I was the remote control. Dad would say, go change that channel, son. That was it. I was the remote control. And we used to, we'd gather around the, the TV, and we'd watch the Winter Olympics in black and white. And uh, explain that to the grandkids later on, what that is. And uh, uh, one of my favorite things was to watch the alpine skiers. Do you ever see those guys, the downhill, the, the, just the guys that would just 80 miles an hour on ice, just digging in the edges of those skis, and it was just incredible to me. And, and, and here's, here's the thing that always got me. I, I remember one time watching the Olympics, and there was this guy. He wasn't skiing. He was the next guy to ski, and you know what he was doing? He, I, I saw him up there, and, and, and it, was, it struck me as kind of strange because he closed his eyes, and he got into the tuck. He was on flat surface he wasn't going he was the next guy to go and all he was doing and all of a sudden you'd see him go eyes closed making that first turn jumping eyes closed going to the right bam and he was going through the course and he was dwelling on those things he was making a plan and you know because you know what because when life comes at you when the buzzer goes off it all comes at you too fast if you haven't what if you haven't made a plan, if you haven't prayed over it. The same way I remember going to airborne school when I was in the Army, second lieutenant, bright, shiny gold bar, you know, and I was learning to jump out of planes. Stupidest thing you could ever do, jump out of a good plane, right? And so here we were, and you think, my soul, three weeks from now, I'm going to be jumping out of that plane. How, how do they do it? They make you dwell on the little things. The little pieces. Before you jump at 800 feet, you're jumping off a four-inch little thing. And, and, and you're just going over and over, and you're going over and over. And then two weeks later, what are you doing? You're standing in the door. The, 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 the guy in the back hits you in the behind, and whoo, your knees are in the breeze, as they say. How'd you get there? Because you were dwelling on it. You were thinking it through. See, that's what prayer in the morning we begin to dwell on it. We begin to think about it. We begin to overcome. I have a good friend who's a counselor like my, my friend Ken Smith who's at my last church. And he used to say, he used to say, Cal, you know what? Some of us need to just, we just need to get a new tape because we just keep playing the old tape over and over again. He was an old guy because we still had cassette tapes when I was a kid. Remember that, Ken? Maybe he was talking about reel to reel. See, grandparents, that's something else you can explain to your kids at lunch. The point was, he said, you need to have a new tape in your mind. You need to change the old one. Because here's what we do so often. If he says that to me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say that to her. And if she says that back at me, then I got this plan. And I got this whole thing. I got this whole series going on. Or I was hurt when I was 13 years old. Or, I, or someone said something ugly to me in church 10 years ago. I cannot get over it. Listen, let me just ask you. 10 years from now, do you still want to be carrying it? Isn't it time to let go? 20 years from now, you still want to carry it. When the pastor gets up to preach your funeral, they'll find something good to say about you. But you don't want people thinking, man, I sure wish they could have got over that. What a disaster that is. Don't you think Jesus Christ who died for you wants more for you than to be free a little bit? 
to be able to come in church just to put a happy face on? And in order to overcome that, to overcome the stronghold in our life, we've got to put a new tape in. And you and I are more than conquerors. We're more than victors through Jesus Christ. Amen? And I don't want to carry it. I don't want to carry it anymore. Number seven is this. I think I skipped six. It's in there somewhere. Number seven is this. I'm sorry for the guys that are doing the screen. Number seven is believe, believe, believe. Believe that you can overcome. You see, there's some of us that have been struggling for so long in a cycle of try hard, fail, ask for forgiveness. Try hard, fail, forgive, ask for forgiveness. And we've just been doing that for so long that we really aren't sure we want to have to, they got the strength or the courage to get up and try again. But I want to say to you in accordance with God's holy word today that you're more than a conqueror. And I want you to believe, believe, believe. Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do some things through him. No, no, no. I can do all things through him. And he wants so much for you today. If you believe that, then it's time for us to put some feet to our faith. I want to tell you, I want to read a a, a biblical story to you. You know it. It's about the woman that had the issuance of blood. Remember that one? You've heard it a hundred times. I'm going to show you something today that you've never seen before. Are you ready? Here we go. Mark 5.25 said, A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Do you know why this is one of my favorite passages in this New Testament? Because it's something I never noticed until late in my life. Jesus did not make a choice to heal her. He did not make a choice. It was simply her character. She didn't come up and ask him to, ask him to, to heal her. It wasn't a decision It's just simply Jesus is Savior and healer. And what I see from this passage, are you listening? Look up here. I want to see your eyes just for a moment. I want you to hear, I believe, based on this, that when a powerful faith and belief come in contact with Jesus, healing occurs. Because it is just simply the character of Jesus Christ. When faith comes in contact with the Savior, strongholds can be torn down. Just think it through. Don't you understand that Jesus died for your sins, that he wants the very best for you? He wants abundance in every part of your life. Total healing. 
Now, some might say, yes, I believed and I've tried and I've failed and I really don't want to try anymore. But now you know more, don't you? Now you know that we have to be very deliberate and join and cooperate with the Spirit. The bleeding woman, I want you to note here too, that she just didn't sit in the house and say, I believe. She didn't wait around. She tried something new. She got up one more time. She didn't quit. She changed her behavior, her belief, and her actions aligned with the power of God, and there was healing. And so don't you sit in darkness and and in a secret and believe whatever it is that you're struggling with today is too hard for God. You'd never admit that out loud. Don't believe it in your heart. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a righteous man falls seven times. You know what the seven, you know what seven represents in the scriptures, right? Just continually. A man who fails continually, but a righteous man gets up and rises again. And what I'm telling you today is that even if you failed, I want you to believe, 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 and know that Christ did not die so that you might be set free a little bit, but to completely heal, to change your life. To overcome the stronghold. Number eight, stay in your community of faith. Stay in your community of faith. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I love that. I might preach on that next week. Let us consider how to stimulate one another. We're not talking about criticizing. The the role of the fellow believer is to lift one another up, to give each other encouragement, not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know what? I get weary to death. One of the greatest hurts I have as a pastor is someone will say, you know, I haven't seen Jim Bob in two or three weeks. Where's old Jim Bob? We'll wait another week, we'll go and call him just to find out what. That Jim Bob is facing the greatest challenge of his life, the greatest hurt of his life, and what Jim Bob has chose to do is to run as fast as he can away from the church instead of running to the church where there's power and strength and prayer and encouragement. And it's got to stop, for goodness sakes. I met a man a while back, and he came up to me, a friend, a, a church member, a brother I respected. He said, you know what? He said, Cal, I am at the end of my rope. I said, yeah, I've been there. I am at the end of my rope. He said, you know what? It seems to me that the harder I try, the harder Satan attacks. Amen. That's exactly what happens sometimes. The harder I try to be a good man, the harder it is, and I am just at the end of my rope. I I listened for a little while. He kept saying those words over and over again. I am just at the end of my rope. And I finally said to him, no, you aren't. I know it feels like it. But you made a good and a holy decision to come here today and talk with me. It was the right thing to do. You shared life. And you aren't at the end of the road because you're more than a conqueror. And you aren't at the end of the road because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Somebody say amen. And and, and you're not at the end of the road because those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength and they'll mount up with wings of eagles. Anybody need to mount up today? 
They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Because you know why? Because you are overwhelmingly more of a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And I looked at him and I said, you're not at the end of the road because I believe that you're a valiant warrior of God and God has a mighty plan for your life. He got more than he bargained for. As we talked, I told him I believed that God was going to use him. And I believed that he was being faithful in that moment. And I told him, I said, you know, someday I'm going to be wobbly and I'm going to be weak and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to need to hear these same words back because you know what? That's what the family of faith does. We don't run from the family of faith when we're in trouble. We run to the family of faith. And oh Lord, may we be accountable when people run to us that we wouldn't criticize or we wouldn't just join in and are moaning, but give them a new vision for goodness sakes. Give them a new vision of who they are in Jesus Christ. Be the body of Christ. Encourage them, not tear them down. Not gossip alongside them. But give them a new and greater vision. When you're struggling with a stronghold, find a partner to pray with. I'd be proud to be that partner. The staff would be, your deacon, a faith-filled friend. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We need each other. Amen? We're created for each other and for our Lord, never in isolation. Finally, number nine. Understand the sin, the stronghold that you're trying to overcome will probably always be a vulnerable place in your life. Understand it. Be on guard against it. It, it bothered me. I knew, used to know a man. He said, uh, it bothered me. And, and I, I say that out of my own ignorance. Because he said, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, but I haven't had a drink for 20 years. And in my understanding, in my wrong thinking, I, I thought, well, listen, if you haven't had a drink in 20 years, then you're not an alcoholic anymore. But what I've kind of come to understand is that what he was saying is, that's always going to be a place of vulnerability in my life. And so I'm going to be on guard about that. I, I'm not going to let it hold me back. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Even if it's a temptation, listen, Jesus was tempted. There's no sin in being tempted, is there? He just understands that it's always going to be a place of vulnerability. And so I'm going to be on guard because the cost of failure is too great. So we know that an alcoholic would not go to the bar at 10 o'clock at night just to order a Diet Coke, right? A person that struggles with pornography in the church is filled with those who struggle. We not look at the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated because there really is such a thing as a slippery slope. If we struggle with gossip, then we're not going to hang around with those that we know that have similar problems because we want to overcome it. We don't want to be that person after 20 years that says, I, I just wish I could get a, a handle on my tongue. I wish I wouldn't say these things. So we protect ourselves. And we know that as we repeat the new plan that is replacing the old one, that we will become triumphant. 
that we can take one more step down the victorious path of transformation. Matthew 22 says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This identifies to me that the body, the mind, the spirit, the three different parts of who we are. In our culture, though, we kind of have a problem. If there's a, a physical problem, we take that to the doctor. If there's a medical problem, we, you know, that goes to the doctor. If there's a psychological problem, we'll go to a counselor. If there's a spiritual problem, there's a, a pastor, a clergy to go to. But what Jesus' words say to me is that if we're going to overcome the strongholds in our life that we know are tough, right? That we need to address all three. We're going to need to take these nine points or something like them and integrate them to tear down the stronghold. Because we believe the word of God, don't we? Amen? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So take courage. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? We struggle, Lord. We struggle. We struggle with anger and bitterness. And just like the Apostle Paul, how thankful we are, he was honest and open with us. We hate it. We hear the words of love and peace and grace and wholeness and victory and overcoming. And they just seem to mock us sometimes. They mock me. And it hurts my friends. And we just don't want it anymore. So by the power of your spirit, breathe new life into us, please, Lord. Speak to my brothers and sisters. Burn brightly within them this moment. Give us the courage, the strength, the power to overcome. Set us free entirely. We confess we cannot do this without you. We've tried and we failed. And perhaps all we can muster today is just to open our hearts and hands just a little bit and just ask, come, please. We needed you as a Savior on the very first day. We need you just as much today. Save us. We love you and we thank you. For you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.